Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning. Good morning. God is good, yes? His word is sure, right? So we are on, a, on the fourth week of the series called Word View, which Mark has already uh, told us is a play on the word world view. So uh, before we get started, uh, can we pray real quick? Amen. Thank you. Father God, we just come before you, Lord, and we just lift up to you today's service. We lift up to you the word today, Father, that through your word, that new realities will be established in our hearts and in our minds. That through the washing of the word, Lord God, that you, you bring a, a cleansing over us, maybe of the things that we've been looking at in this world and uh, been looking at, maybe, Father, in the wrong way, that we need your perspective. We need your light. We need your guidance. And we need your heart. We just pray this today in Jesus' name. Well, good morning. My name is Chris. I'm one of the leaders here at the church. And today we're going to be covering uh, a story that runs all the way through the Bible. And the title of today's message is called His Story. So if we do a little play on the word, word view again, it's really the history that we share as a people, as a human, as the, as humankind. And so today I'm going to be covering what is called the scarlet thread. Who has heard that term before? Anybody? A few people? Okay. The scarlet thread in its concept is really the biblical story of redemption. And it goes from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. And it is connected to God's requirement for the cleansing and the offering of blood. And this is what I'm going to be covering today. I'm going to be covering that thread through creation through the fall, through redemption, and ultimately to our own very own restoration. So before we go any further, I would just like to, uh, you know, throw a little disclaimer out there that today's message is going to be very intensive in the, in the fact that we're going to be going through a lot of scripture, and we're going to be going through it quick. And the, the reason I like to, to use a lot of scripture is I don't want it to be as much about my opinion as it is about what God has already said and really reinforcing uh, the concepts that are already there for us and that in our understanding of those concepts, we can find light, we can find freedom, and we can find understanding in, in what God has called for each one of us uh, in our lives. Amen? So with creation... God had already established in the Garden of Eden a perfect harmony. It says that in, in six days, he created everything. And on the seventh day, he rested. Amen? This is really just a part of the scripture right out of Genesis 1 and 2. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then at the end of the, uh, the seventh day, he rested and he basically said, fill the earth and govern, is what he, he told mankind. 
And God looked over all that he had made, and he had determined that it was good. What I wanted to point out here was there are other creation stories all throughout the world. Many cultures have similar creation stories as to what is written in the Bible, and it is not by coincidence. That is my belief. But some of these you're going to find interesting, and some of it's going to be uh, kind of amusing. You will see. So if you look on the left-hand column, it says uh, creation, the creation of man, the flood story, and, of course, redemption. Across the top, we have uh, the Greek, the Hopi Indians from the Americas, the Norse, which are like, you know, the Vikings and the Scandinavians, Bohemians, all those, uh, the Inca from South America, and uh, the basic Chinese mythology. So if we read through some of these, we just read through uh, uh, Genesis 1, right? We understand that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and there was darkness upon the waters. And God's spirit hovered over those waters, and he created something brand new out of everything. But now look at the Greek. In the beginning, there was chaos, the abyss. The creation of man, first humans, were made from clay. The flood story, they too had a flood that destroyed the earth. However, their redemption story is only done through sacrifices and offerings, of course, to their gods. The Hopi Indians says that the world at first was an endless space in which existed only the creator. The earth mixed with saliva was used to make two human beings. They too had a, a flood story where the earth was destroyed. And of course, even with them, they have complex ceremonies that they use uh, as part of their redemption to stay in connection and balance with, uh, with their beliefs. The Norse. This one, who likes Marvel comics? Hey. <laughs> You're going to recognize some of these terms up here, and it is not by mistake that they pulled a lot of this stuff from Norse mythology. So in the beginning of time, there was nothing, neither sand nor sea nor cool waves. I thought that was interesting. That's, that's for those who love it in Hawaii or out here on the beach, right? No cool waves for you to enjoy. Creation of man, ice drops thickened and formed the shape of a man. The flood story, this one was really interesting. Ymir, a frost giant, turned to evil, was killed for being evil, and all giants were drowned by his blood, but one who built an ark for himself and his family. So now you kind of know why there's frost giants in Thor, okay? <laughs> But, of course, again, with the Norse religion, sacrifices and ritual obligations are what is required for redemption. For the Inca of South America, the creator rose from Lake Titicaca during the time of darkness to bring forth light. Mankind made by breathing into stones. First creation were brainless giants that displeased him. So he destroyed the world with a flood and you made a new, better person from smaller stones. And of course, their rituals and duties and obligations are part of their restoration or redemption. In China, heaven and earth were one. The entire universe was contained in an egg-shaped cloud. All the matter of universe swirled chaotically in that egg. Mud, shaped in the form of a human being, 
The heavens collapsed so that there were holes in the sky, and the earth cracked, letting water rush from below to flood the earth. And for them, it was about humility and balance. That's actually where you get the, uh, the yin and yang, and that's where they developed that, that, uh, that concept. So next slide. So all this leads to one commonality that we have across all of humankind. Now, if you notice uh, in the stories that I chose, there were some very basic commonalities that we have with, uh, with the biblical record. Uh, there was a creator. It was dark. It was void. There was nothing. And we have now something that came out of nothing. The other thing that we have in common is, for whatever reason, they focused on giants. Why would other cultures from around the world have giant stories? Just a curiosity. But the other thing that we have in common is the fall. We all have to address our human weaknesses. We have to address our sin. We have to address the commonality that something went wrong. Amen? And so God has designed a story uh, to be given to us through the word. And that story is a, basically a story of redemption. It's a story of us beginning to truly understand who we are, what happened, and what is to come. So next slide, please. So this is the warning that God gave to Adam and Eve. He said, you may eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So in the garden, man decided simply to trust in himself. That's going to be the result of this scripture. So next slide, please. So this as a result of the fall, God provided a way of escape. He provided an answer. As I said, the Bible in its entirety is a story of redemption. But if you notice in our daily lives, that story of redemption is played out in very small uh, landscapes. Uh, Armin last week covered the, uh, the covenant, right? Everybody remember the the hair, right? The old covenant and the new covenant. I guess I just have one covenant. I don't, <laughs> or no covenant. I don't know which one it is. But that covenant, if, you rem if we remember what he described, is that covenant was ratified in blood, right? We remember the scripture uh, where, he, uh, where God put Abraham to sleep, and after requesting the different animals to be laid, uh, and as an offering, that God himself walked through the midst of those sacrifices. And if you remember what Armin said, is that, more, that, that, uh, that lantern, that smoking pot that walked through the middle of those sacrifices was God himself. And the interesting thing about that, uh, that, that concept that's there is under the Jewish tradition that was given those kinds of covenants, those kinds of agreements that are uh, acted in blood, 
they are given for the, spe the specific reason so that if one person fails or breaks that covenant, the other person or that person has to pay with their blood. And what God was saying during that, that covenant that he was making with Abraham was, I want you to go to sleep. Remember what Armin said? He said, everything depends on God. So what he was saying was that if something goes wrong, even if you break the covenant, I'm going to shed my blood to make sure that there is redemption. A covering is something that has been given to us. If we understand the, 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 under, uh, the meaning of redemption, it is an action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. It covers us. Blood is required as a covering. We go to the next slide. If we see what God's response was to the fall in the garden, let's start with uh, Genesis 3.15 and 3.21. And that will cause hostility between you and the woman. And between you and your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and he will strike, and you will strike his heel. That is actually the first mention of what God intended to do as a result of the fall of man. And in Genesis 3.21, the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So how did they come up with the, with the skins? Why did God have to kill an animal in order to provide skins, because blood demands, or I'm sorry, justice and God demand a blood sacrifice to cover sin. And it is something that is going to be pointing to what we already understand is to be the cross and what Jesus was going to be required to do. Next slide. And then we see in Genesis 4, verse 5, it says, The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. But he did not accept Cain and his gift. So I don't, like you, I don't know if, uh, or like me, I don't know if you ever wondered, well, what was it about Cain's gift that he didn't accept? I mean, it seems fairly good up front. He just brought some of his fruit of the field and presented it to God. But if you notice, God is setting up Again, this thread that is going through the Bible, this understanding of blood sacrifice. And the reason that he was pleased with uh, Abel's sacrifice was because this is what is actually required as a sacrifice. And God did not accept Cain's because he was setting up what was coming. He was beginning to uh, provide that understanding to the people through what he was establishing from the very beginning. Like I said, this is something that goes from the book of Genesis all the way through. And he, he right now, in the book of Genesis, is simply establishing it. And this first sacrifice was offered in connection with what was later to come. We know later in the, in the book of uh, Exodus, when the Passover, they again began, or he again uh, required the sacrifice of a lamb, which would turn into later the sacrificial system that was set up uh, later on in the book of Le Leviticus for, the, for the, the, uh, the Hebrew people. 
And then we see this scripture, Genesis 22, verse 2. This is uh, where Abraham was asked to sacrifice his one and only son. Again, another picture of what God was going to be doing in the future. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. As we go through this and we begin to understand what God is doing, he's actually moving towards the ultimate restoration of humankind. Actually, I'm reading through, uh, for, for some of us in the, in the Leadership 215 class, we, we're, we're being asked to, uh, to do this daily reading through the book of Genesis all the way through the, the, the end of the Bible. And I think right now I'm, I'm at the point where uh, in Exodus where God has called his people out. And in the book of Exodus, we come into the first contact with the way that God is going to uh, help us even more so begin to look at how the sacrificial system is going to be set up through the Passover. Now, the Passover was something that was set up specifically to cover the, if, if we remember, the, uh, the requirement was to go over the doorposts. So that, because Pharaoh was refusing to let his people go. And if you look in that part of scripture, it's interesting to see that there's this uh, resistance from the Pharaoh that he continued to not let his people go. And he went through all these plagues. He went through all these uh, scenarios of judgment only at the end when death was required of every firstborn in the land of Egypt did God demand the requirement for the sacrifice of the lamb. The blood that was spilled by that lamb was then to be taken and put over the doorposts and the lentils, which are the side of each house. Because at the end of that set of plagues, that last judgment was when it said that the, the spirit of God, the spirit or the death spirit would come throughout the land of Egypt and would take the firstborn of every person and every animal and every living thing. And the only thing that was going to protect the persons that were in that house was the warning that God gave to put the blood over the doorposts, which again is just another example of the covering that is being provided by God as an example of how God is going to save his people. So this moves into what Armin was talking about last week about the new covenant. As we see here in Jeremiah, this is Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. It says, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is a new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, 
nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Praise God. You know, and, and what I felt in this message um, is just God's heart and his desire to establish to everyone that he has not left any detail out. He has not left out any minor element. From the beginning of creation all the way until the end of time, God has provided a way. Unfortunately, we're just kind of stuck in the middle of this story. We haven't made it to the end. We haven't made it to the point of restoration. So sometimes we, th we look at our circumstances, we look at the, the, the lives that we live, we look at what's going on in the world, and it can be very confusing for us. But what God is saying in these scriptures and what he's leading us to is he goes, I got this. I've created a plan. You are in the midst of this plan, and I have provided a way of escape. I have provided a sacrifice. I have provided everything. So what does God demand from us? Trust. The only thing he requires from us is to hear his voice and begin to focus on it. Begin to listen to the words that he speaks to us and that the story that he's providing to us in the, in the, in the biblical record, as you saw, is common across many cultures. And it's a story that we can put our anchor into. It's a story that we can put and grow our roots into and know that that trust that he's building within us is going to deliver at the end of, of the whole story because he loves us. He doesn't want us to think that something was left out, that we were forgotten, that the story is not accurate. Because if we go back to what happened in the fall, if we go back to what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden, the serpent asked some very specific questions to Eve. And those, those questions were meant to stir up something in Eve. And some of those things that were being stirred up in Eve was, number one, to question God. Number two was to doubt that his word was true. Number three, to bring confusion as to actually what did God say. And number four, the last part is that he, he stirred up this, these things in Eve and it caused her to not, oh, that's what, that's what the fourth one was, was that he uh, basically stirred up in her that he was leaving something out, that he wasn't providing something, that there was this, the secret that was being withheld from them and that the tree of knowledge of good and evil was being withheld because it was good. But we don't know the specific reason why God didn't want us to eat of the tree of life at that time. But God has a plan, right? Just because God leaves something out doesn't mean that he doesn't want to provide it later. We don't know the plan. 
But the enemy came in, and he used that as an opportunity to stir up something in Eve that caused her to lose focus, caused her to doubt, and caused her to feel like she was missing something, that God wasn't providing what he had promised or what, he, uh, what she wanted. Amen? So there's, uh, in this story, though it, it goes from one end of the Bible to the other, there's one thing that is in common, and that's us. And it's how we begin to look at the story that is provided to us. How, we, how do we receive it? And that's what our restoration is. It's based on how we receive the truth of God's word. It says in uh, John chapter 1, verse 29, this, this is going to be where, uh, if we go back to the requirement, right, that I had said about the requirement for a blood sacrifice in order to cover sin, that the sacrificial system was then set up in order to point towards a savior, to point towards the final sacrifice that would be required through Jesus. So this is John the Baptist, and he says, The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So if we go back to uh, the scriptures over about the Passover, we see that God first required the sacrifice of a lamb. And with that lamb was the blood. And then the blood was provided as a covering. Next slide. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. This is where Jesus begins to fulfill the covenant that God had made with Abraham. It establishes the truth that when God walked, walked through those sacrifices himself with, Abra or with Abraham sleeping on the side, he made that promise. If we already read through the other part where uh, in Jeremiah, where God said that we broke the covenant. So it demanded a sacrifice. But Jesus was already in the plan. He was already part of the purpose going all the way back to the book of Genesis. Just a, a quick review, that's right where God was saying specifically to the serpent that you might bite his heel but he's going to strike your head. He's going to take it out. He's going to bring judgment, and he's going to bring consummation. So when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor at the right hand of, of the majestic God in heaven. This is in Hebrews. And actually, this is out of uh, Hebrews 1. This is just the last part of it. But um, verses 1 and 2 says, Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in those, these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. 
And then, when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the place of honor, at the right hand of God, the majestic God. So it says, that is why the Holy Spirit says, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. When they tested me in the wilderness, then your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter into my, the plate, my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we were faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Amen? And just a little history for myself. Um, I was saved back in 1987 and went to a Baptist church. Everything was going good. But I began to have doubts. I began to have other things that got in the way. Life began to uh, throw me some curveballs, and I chose to handle it myself. I chose to do it my way. And I walked away from God for about nine years. And it was simply because, I mean, I'm looking back now, and one of the root causes of that was because I didn't really understand the whole story. I didn't understand that there was a thread that went from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end. And I didn't understand that there was a plan for me. Though I had heard the gospel, I had, under, I had understood that I needed a sacrifice. But when we're confronted with the things in this life that causes pain, that causes suffering, that causes us to doubt and causes us to move away from the living God. We get deceived by sin, and we become hard. And then one day, when I was up in uh, Korea, I was in the military, and God spoke to my heart. I was up in Yongsan. It was after a night of partying, and, and I remember God specifically calling me out. I hadn't heard from God since, uh, you know, nine years prior. I haven't really paid attention. But on that day, God spoke to my heart, and he said, Chris, what are you doing? I didn't have an answer. I'm like, I'm just here, God. I'm, I knew it was him, but I didn't understand what he was trying to do. And then he simply asked me, he said, Chris, take a look around me and tell me what you see. And I looked around, and I was actually in Yongsan. I don't know if anybody here has been there, but it's a big shopping area, uh, part of Seoul. It's over by Yongsan Army Base. And at that time, it was just all shops and bars. And so this was on a Sunday morning, and I just remember looking around, and I'm like, Lord, I'm, I just see a lot of people buying stuff, selling stuff. Uh, it's really busy. I didn't really have anything to say back to him. But what he said to me next was very profound. And he said simply, 
this is not what I created life to be. This is not what I had intended. And my heart began to change because God began to direct me back to the story. He drew me back into his uh, presence. And over the course of the next year, I began to just simply uh, move in a direction where that understanding provided freedom for me, it provided deliverance for me, it provided a purpose for me, and it provided direction, and it provided an anchor for my soul. So then since we have this anchor, this high priest who has entered into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same things, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, where we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us in our time when we need it most. And then this is the summation of all things. This is the plan, and this is the scarlet thread that goes through the entire Bible. So before we read this, and as we begin to close, if the worship team wants to go ahead and come on up. I really laid this all out um, Friday and Saturday. I kind of had something different. So if you see me up here kind of fumbling around, it's not because I don't know what I'm doing. But the reality is, is that God threw me a curveball last night. And... kind of changed the message around a little bit. I was going a different direction with this at first. But what he showed me last night, it was uh, was clear uh, what he was doing. But I just didn't really have a lot of time to kind of shift and adjust uh, for the message today. So, but what I'm wanting to, to boil it down to and what I feel God is saying today, through today's message is I have a plan for you. It started at the very beginning. It wasn't a mistake that God had made. He didn't leave us out. He didn't cause things to happen in such a way that now history is lost. People are lost. Everything is bad. Everything's upside down. Though we may see that, God is saying if you look at the story, that I have given to you. From the very beginning, I knew what was coming. From the very beginning, I already was going to provide for you. But we each have to live our life one day at a time. And if you look at our lifespans now, they're, what, 80, 70, 80 years? We've got 70 or 80 years to understand this and grasp it It's the same story told over and over and over again. God did it in the garden. He told the story there. God did it with the Exodus. He told it there. He told it with Abraham. He told it with Isaac. He told it with David. He told it with Jeremiah. He told it with many of the prophets that we read throughout the end of the New Testament or the Old Testament. And then as we read in the book of Hebrews, In these days, he's speaking through his son. He's telling the story again, a story of redemption, a story that we can rest in. 
a story where we can say, yeah, I don't, I don't like what's going on around me. I don't maybe even understand what's going on inside me or like it. But God has provided a way. He's provided a purpose. He's provided healing through his blood. He's provided the sacrifice so that you can walk in freedom with him. The only thing he demands from us is trust. Just trust. God is saying, I've got this. So let's go ahead and read that last scripture because this is what we're moving towards. This is the consummation of all things. All right, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is out of the book of Revelation. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. So this is our promise, that all of this is going to be worth it one day. All the struggles, all the pain, all the trials, all the distresses, all the disappointments, they're going to be worth it. We just need to trust. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's just go ahead and, and pray. Father, we thank you for the word that you have given today. We thank you that you provide for us everything we could ever, ever, ever need. And Father, help us to just put our focus and our gaze in the right place. Let us continue to go back again and again to your story. Your story of redemption. Father, I pray for every heart that's in here today, Lord. That we truly begin to rest in your story. That it says in the book, like it says in the book of Hebrews, Lord. That we're not drawn away by unbelief. That we're not drawn away by the deceitfulness of sin. Because you have promised your rest to each and every one of us, Lord. So help us to do what we need to do here this morning. If we need to repent of something, Lord, give us the ability to repent. If we need to trust, Lord God, put your face before us. So that we can grow in every aspect and understanding that provides the peace that we need through trust. So, Father, I thank you for everybody that's in this house today, Lord God. Bless them. Guide them, Father, as they go out this door to know that you've provided a way for them, that there is nothing that you have left out. There's nothing you've forgotten. And we just pray this in Jesus' name.